Today's gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own self, cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This person began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have hope because of that. No, we're not perfect. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we even sin. And yet the good news is that when we go to Christ and confess our sins, as the word of God has said, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. First John chapter 5, verse 7. Our study of the prophets remind us that God has standards, expectations of God's people. God's expectations are that God's people will love God and neighbor as God loves neighbor. God's people will be concerned about and focus on carrying out righteousness and justice. God's people will be concerned about the oppressed, the widow, the stranger, the orphan, the marginalized. The study of the prophets remind us that when God's people turn away from God and God's purposes, there are consequences. God judges God's people, yet that is not the end of the story. The prophets remind us that God did not stop reaching out to God's people. You remember, as we studied Hosea and Amos, just to name a few prophets. After God said to the people through God's prophets, you have sinned, God then said, turn away from your sins and I will forgive you. God kept urging God's people to return to God. And that call to return to God continues even in the New Testament. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God made flesh, continues to call humankind to enter into a relationship, an intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so what does that relationship look like? Join me now in a word of prayer. Lord, give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the hearts to respond to the truth of your word today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart bless you. For truly, you are the source of our hope. You are the source of our strength. Amen. 
Today, we begin a four-week sermon series titled, Having Words with Jesus. And the message title for today is Counting the Cost. Now, if I were to take the mic and walk up and down the aisle and just ask a volunteer or two to share with the rest of us, what has it cost you? to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm just curious as to what your answers would be. I'm not going to ask you today, so relax and breathe. What does it cost you, Pastor? How many of you have ever been ridiculed because you're a follower of Jesus Christ? I see those hands going up. How many of you have been rejected because you are a follower of Jesus Christ? I see the hand going up. It costs to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we begin this four-week sermon series titled, Having Words with Jesus. We will look at passages of scripture that may be challenging to us 21st century Christians. We will be called to just listen anew and afresh to the words that Jesus Christ speaks. And some of us today and in the coming weeks may find ourselves wrestling with those words. Some of us may even struggle with those words. As Dr. Derek Weber of Discipleship Ministries reminds us, Jesus is the word made flesh, the very embodiment of the words we read. The word defines us, transforms us into the followers of Jesus that we are longing to be. Today, we revisit a familiar text. What more is there to say, someone may ask. Although the text is familiar, I would suggest to you that the word of God is still living. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 reminds us that The word of God is living and active and full of power and making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. So yes, this is a familiar text, but the question is, what is God revealing to us on September 4th, Labor Day weekend, through God's word? In the text today, Jesus Christ is addressing crowds of people who have decided to follow him. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows what awaits him in Jerusalem. He knows that he is on his way to be tried, to be convicted, to be hanged on a cross. And yet there are crowds following him. Maybe they're a tag-along group of people going along for the fraught ride. Maybe there are people who have joined the crowd because their friends joined the crowd. Maybe they're part of the crowd because they're bored, and so this looks like something good to do. In the text today, Jesus lays out what it means to follow him Now, when you read the first part of this text, it says you must hate your family of origin. You must hate 
your nuclear family. Someone is saying, wait a minute, hold on. Did Jesus really mean that? This is the same Jesus who told us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Is Jesus contradicting himself, someone is asking. Well, we know that the term hate in this text does not mean anger or hostility. It indicates that if there is a conflict, one's response to the demands of discipleship must take precedence over even the most important human relationships that we have. As one commentator stated, there is no duty higher than commitment to Jesus Christ and to being his disciple. And I will tell you, beloved, if ever there's a need for us to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, today is the day. Living in these United States in 2022. I would suggest to you, dear brothers and sisters, that as we approach the election season, you and I will be called to reflect the fact that we are committed to Jesus Christ first and foremost and not to any political party, any particular word of an individual. We are committed first and foremost to Jesus Christ. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is not comparable to our human relationships. A relationship with Jesus Christ will cost us something. We are to think about and then count the cost or price before we say yes to following Jesus Christ to become his disciples. And we're real clear that membership in a local church and discipleship are not synonymous. I can be a member of a church. As a matter of fact, I am to be a member of a church and I'm to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So that membership leads to discipleship. What is the cost? First of all, we have to reprioritize our lives and our relationships, our plans and our future to be in alignment with the, are to be in alignment with the plans that Jesus Christ has for us as Jesus Christ's disciples. We are to nurture that relationship, that intentional discipleship that Jesus wants us to have. I am so thankful that we have an intentional discipleship pathway team that is committed to assisting all of us in growing more and more intimately in our relationship with Jesus Christ by offering us resources that will help us to grow, to nurture that particular relationship. How do we reprioritize our relationship with Jesus Christ so that we will imitate Jesus Christ? We're called to abide in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, beginning with verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless you abide in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The Greek word for abide means to remain or to stay in. This image is that of a branch that is being grafted to a vine. That branch will receive the nutrients from the vine 
in order to grow. So in order for us to bear the spiritual fruit that Jesus Christ is calling Jesus Christ's disciples to bear, we have to stay connected to Jesus Christ. We must set aside time daily to commune, to be with, to listen to Jesus Christ, to read the word of God. I don't know about you, but I, I, I did practice the Lectio Divina this past week for today's scriptures, and boy, was I surprised. I don't know if you were surprised or not by what you heard. Let me just ask, were you surprised by what you heard as you practiced Lectio Divina t- this week? You know, that's a, it's called a holy reading. It's a special way of reading God's word. And so in this past week's beacon, I encouraged you, beginning with today's gospel lesson, to practice Lectio Divina. I'm going to encourage you to do that for next Sunday's uh, message as well. Look at the scripture for next Sunday and practice Lectio Divina. There are three stages. I will just tell you, I was surprised. I won't say anything more. We are to stay connected to Jesus Christ. We must stay connected to Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ is our source of life and strength and nourishment. We need to be reminded that we have been bought with a price, and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19b states, you were bought at a price. I'm sorry, 19b through verse 20, you are not your own, You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, this discipleship journey is not about just doing okay or being okay. No, it is about being our best selves. It is not about a transaction. Jesus, I'll do something good for you, and then you'll do something good for me. No, no, no. Following Jesus Christ is about transformation. Jesus, I will follow you wherever. It's about a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. The decision to follow Jesus Christ will establish our priorities. There are just some things I will not read. There are some movies I will not watch. There are some websites I will not go to because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. There are some people that I'm forced to engage with because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. There's some folk I must show Christ's love towards even when I don't want to because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the decision to follow Jesus Christ that will establish our priorities. Jesus was aware as he talked to the crowd that there would be some people who would say, well, Jesus, (laughs) thank you, but no thank you. 
He knew there would be people who would turn away. He knew that there would be people who would follow him for a season and then turn away. He, he saw it happen, and he turned to his disciples, and he said, so, so are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, in essence, he said, where would we go? Where? You offer eternal life. Yeah, see, following Jesus Christ, yes, there is a cost, but this is what I know, and I think you've discovered this as well, and that is that the life that Jesus Christ offers to us is a life that no one else can offer to us. The peace that Jesus Christ offers to us in the midst of life's storms, the joy that Jesus Christ offers to us even when our worlds are going topsy-turvy, the hope that Jesus Christ offers to us even when life appears to be hopeless, and the provision that Jesus Christ offers to us when it appears as though we have nothing this, this, this life that Jesus Christ offers to us is much more, much greater than any cost that you will ever have to pay. So the question that you and I are left with today is, Jesus is asking us, to count the cost, yes. Jesus is asking us to consider the radical change, the radical difference that he wants to make in our lives so that we can make a radical difference in this world, yes. Jesus is asking us. Are you ready? Are you willing? to make the sacrifices necessary to live this life. In other words, are you willing to follow me? Let us pray. For many of us, oh Lord, we said yes years ago And for some, we, we thought by joining the church, we, we did our part. There was nothing else for us to do. We claimed that now I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. But today you remind us that membership and discipleship are not synonymous. A disciple will be a member of a community of faith. But just because one is a member does not mean that one is a disciple. I come to you now on behalf of myself and this community of faith known as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church. And I ask that you will help us to recommit to saying yes to you. Help us to recommit to saying I will be, I am, I will continue to be 
a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, growing and learning more and more what it means to imitate Jesus Christ through my words, through my actions, through my thoughts, making a difference not only within these four walls, but making a difference in our neighborhood, in our larger community, and beyond. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. What does it look like for disciples of Jesus Christ to live out our commitment I want to read now a message from our bishop. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Our land needs healing violence and the destruction that gun violence brings to our communities and families are too frequent to consider it's someone else's problem to face. A recent University of Chicago poll found that the majority of adults in America view reducing gun violence and protecting gun ownership as important. Everyone wants safer schools and more resources for those in need of mental and emotional health. If this is the case, why aren't we doing more to make these ideals become a reality? We are not powerless to act. May we commit this Sunday and the entirety of September to plead for help before God that we might become agents of peace and justice in this hurting world. When the people of God gather for prayer, we are reminded that we are not alone and that our intercession and confession is not an idle exercise. As Christians, we are called to weep with those who weep and to walk with those who mourn. We are also called to be responsible with those in public and private sectors to support policies that advance safety. May it be so. And now he offers this prayer. Blessed God of creation, help us in our hour of need. Lead us not into temptation nor despair. We are at war with ourselves when we see guns used to resolve disputes and end mental anguish. May your love for us that you have guaranteed through Jesus be magnified in us so that others may receive hope in places of hatred. With the power of the Holy Spirit, may we change the things we cannot accept any longer. We have spent too many hours preparing for funerals and too few hours in prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. In the name of Jesus, who died that we might have life, amen. <laughs>